Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, hi again, everybody. I'm Tom Brenneman, and welcome to Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Great to have you with us this week. Major League Baseball in full swing, now beginning week number two. Coming up, wrapped up the Masters, all kinds of good stuff going on. Um, we thank, as always, the Believe Network for believing in this show. We thank Dave Yiddy Armbruster for all his outstanding work as our producer and engineer. And we thank Mike Reed for providing our great music you're listening to right now. I mean, he composed it himself. Mighty nice of him to do that. He's only written like 50 number one hits. Um, but nothing more important than his music for this show, of course. Uh, We're bouncing around the National League Central. We're going to do it in all the divisions as we kind of move along. It's not so much a preview, although there's a little bit of that, primarily that, as we're just starting the season. And we're going to be checking in with either writers that cover local teams, play-by-play guys on television or radio with different teams to kind of get a feel of of what they think about their respective clubs and, and moving forward into this baseball season. And, and generally, one of the most successful franchises and one of the most talked about franchises every year is the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, they have been a model of excellence uh, for so many, many, many years. You know, they've not had a season where they lost more than 90 games since going all the way back. And I remember it vividly because I was announcing the Chicago Cubs games. And it was amazing how bad the Cardinals were there in the early 90s. They had come off a great run of success. And I mean, the wheels fell off overnight. And then all of a sudden, Walt Jockety and Tony La Russa and all these guys start coming in there. And the next thing you know, it starts a wave where for the better part of 35, 40 years now, they're winning 90 or more games seemingly every year, pounding out great players. And, and, and they are one of the elite franchises, not just in baseball, but professional sports. Our guest today will be Dan McLaughlin, their outstanding television play-by-play announcer. That's coming up next. You're dialed in with Tom Brenneman. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details, or for the free conversation with a therapist, call 1-844-YES-CHNK. Our buddy Dan McLaughlin was born in March of 1974 in St. Louis, Missouri. He recently turned 48 years old, 48 years young. Following his graduation from St. John Vianney High School in Kirkwood, Missouri, he attended Lindenwood University, where he played on the baseball team. It was also there where he began his broadcasting career. In 2000, he was named the television play-by-play voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's been there ever since, 23 years strong. Dan and his wife, Libby, proud and blessed parents of four. They're involved in several St. Louis charities, including hosting his annual Dan McLaughlin Golf Tournament that benefits special education. 
A pleasure to be joined by Danny Mack. Danny Mack, you're already on the road for the first time in a long time, my friend. How is it? Hey, Tom, great to be with you. Um, I I can tell you this, I'm out of practice of being on the road because uh, I packed everything. I thought I was ready to go. I had to unpack some stuff just to check. And then when I unpacked some of the things, I found out, you know, getting ready for my first game on the road that I uh, left stuff hanging. So then I had to go buy shirts. (laughs) So I... I got to get back in the swing of this thing, man. You know how it goes. Shirts might be a good idea when you're on the road to broadcast a baseball (laughs) game because you're wearing a coat and tie, I would assume. A shirt might not be a bad idea. Hey, the Cardinals, um, you know, I I was talking before you came on about what an an incredible model of consistency and success this franchise uh, has been for the better part, over the long haul, of course. But, I mean, especially ever since the last real downturn for them in the late 80s, early 90s more specifically. A year ago, the team wins 90 games, advances to the playoffs on the heels of an incredible 17-game winning streak in the month of September, um, lose to the Dodgers in the one-game playoff. But the Cardinals fired the manager, Mike Schilt. Why? Well, there was some internal uh, opposition to maybe what he was wanting and what they were wanting, and it just came to a head. He had one year left on his deal, and I think the organization said at that point, do we extend him? because you can't have him as a lame duck going into this season with uh, just one year, or do we just kind of move on? And they elected to do that, Tom. And I'll I'll admit it. You know, I was shocked. I think most people in baseball were shocked, especially those on the outside that say, now, wait a minute, this guy's been the manager of the year. He's gotten you to the playoffs. He just had a 17 game winning streak, but um, everybody with this for the most part has tried to take the high road. I think eventually we'll probably find out more uh, when time settles and, and, you know, things move on, and maybe he moves on to a different job where he's a manager right now. As you well know, he's uh, in San Diego as a third base coach. But, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, they said internal differences of uh, philosophy, and, and they moved on, and that's how the Cardinals wanted to handle it, and, and for the most part, Mike has too. Tell us about Oliver Marmol. Why is he the guy for the job, the right guy for the job? He's been around for a long time. Now, he's only 35. He is uh, the youngest manager right now in the major leagues. At one point, Tom, he was the youngest manager in professional baseball. So he signed with the Cardinals. He was drafted by the Cardinals, uh, never made it to the big leagues, but they had eyed him as being a guy that could be a coach or a manager someday. And and here we are. Really good guy, very even keel, um, has a a good grasp of the modern look at baseball with a, a touch of grace on, you know, understanding people Mm -hmm. he's a very very good people person so uh you know in this day and age it's it's you know you've got every number that can explain why they want you to do that but how do you explain that to a player and he's got a very good understanding of being able to do that with the human touch of analytics if that makes sense you know you you can you can tell these guys okay here's here's what we need you to do here's your spin rate you got to change this but you got to have that human element to describe it and to have that player buy in. And he's very, very good at that. Um, and he's just another one of those guys. You know, we talk about the players that this uh, this organization develops. Well, they're, they're also developing coaches and managers, and he's another one in that line. Albert Pujols comes back, uh, signs a, a one-year deal to, to return to where it all began. Um, I, I would assume, I mean, sentimentally, of course, it has to be overwhelmingly uh, exciting for Cardinal fans and, and, and being able to have Albert back. I'm sure he's thrilled to be back. What has that been like? I, I love it, Tom. Um, I, I called his first hit, so on a selfish perspective, and the fan in me, 
loves it. I uh, called a bunch of his milestone moments in St. Louis, and we had another one a couple of nights ago where it was his first home run back in uh, back in St. Louis, and it was just electric. The place just exploded. Uh, there's been a buzz around him coming back to St. Louis from the fan side of it. Now there's also the baseball side of it, which is the Cardinals with the designated hitter now in the National League. They needed some thump from that side of the plate, and they have a couple of prospects that they like, and we'll probably see them at some point this year. But they didn't have great springs, didn't look like they were ready, and everything kind of fell into place to bring him back home. So um, you're right, he is excited. Uh, Molina is excited, one of his best friends. Yep. That, that's another factor of this is that those two go out together, and maybe Adam Wainwright as well. And really that trio has been – kind of the face of this franchise for the past two decades in some form or fashion. So uh, it's awesome. I mean, in a baseball city, and as you all know, people love baseball in St. Louis. It's a great baseball town. Yep. To have this guy come back and come back home and finish his career in town, it's, it's pretty special. And by the way, he can still hit. That's the other part of this thing, too. Well, he's off to a nice start. I mean, it's only, you know, a handful of games. He's not playing every day. Four for his first 12. You talked about the, um, the home run he hit already. Uh, offensively, um, so Pujols is there. Corey Dickerson, I've always thought, is a really good, solid player. Uh, you, you bring him in as a um, as a guy to be a part of the lineup every day. Offensively, is the team good enough? Uh, I know there are a lot of ifs and if and if this guy and if that guy. Is the offense good enough to win 90 games again? Yes, it is. I, I think the question with this team will be their starting pitching. All right, and we'll get to that part in a minute. I want to ask you about them right. specifically in a minute. But offensively, because, I mean, DeYoung had a terrible year. He's been a really good player there for a long, long time. And then, like you were starting to mention a moment ago, there are some young guys that are either moving into their second or third full year. You know, Bader and some of these guys you're really hoping will continue to progress. And then some young guys that look like they're right on the horizon of becoming everyday big league players, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from the offensive perspective of this, Dylan Carlson had a really good year. It was overshadowed, I think, by Arenado and, and Goldschmidt last year in 17-game winning streak and the excitement of that. But uh, among rookie switch hitters in Cardinals history, he had one of the best years ever. So he, he's only going to get better and better and better, and we're seeing that. He's a switch hitter. Tommy Edmond had a really good year. Yep. He's already popped a couple of home runs this season. Um, but Arenado, I'm telling you, Tom, he looks as locked in as I've seen him. And when you mix that trio in the, the front of the lineup, so two, three, and four, you're going Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, Arenado, and then potentially, you know, a combination of your DHs, Pujols. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if he's 42 years old. You see that guy on deck. Yep. He's still a threat. Yep. And especially if there's a lefty on the mound. His numbers against lefties are some of the best in baseball a year ago. So he, he's still a threat that lengthens this lineup. And then you're hopeful the young bounces back and you're hopeful that Molina can produce at a clip that he's done in the past. And like you said, a lot of ifs, but looking at this team offensively, it, it's, it's got a chance to be pretty good. All right, let's get to the rotation. Uh, obviously, you know, we'll get to Wayne right in a second, but, but, but Flaherty uh, comes up injured in spring training shoulder. And, you know, Dr. Timothy Kremchek, who's, you know, along with James Andrews, they're two of the guys, if there's an arms race to, to operate on elbows and Tommy John surgeries in the country, uh, you know, they're the two guys that primarily people go to. He told me, he said, elbows, you can rebuild them like the bionic man. And we've seen hundreds of cases where guys come back. He says, when I hear that I have to look at a guy's shoulder, I get very worried. How worried are the Cardinals about Flaherty? 
Well, we're going to find out here. I would imagine internally worried, but we're going to find out more here, I would say, in the next four weeks. So he is throwing off flat ground, 60 feet, 90 feet. He's got to build back up just to even get back on the mound. So I think to answer your question properly, they'll have to wait until he gets on the mound, see where the velo is, has his arm angle dropped to compensate for the issues with the shoulder, um, and then you know, and then decide exactly what they want to do at that point. But yeah, it's a concern, no doubt about it, because if he's healthy, Tom, he's, he's your number one goal no for the season, un- unquestionably. So they've had to scramble a little bit, but um, again, we'll have to see how that thing plays out. Adam Wainwright had a uh, rock-solid uh, season opener. Uh, he was just so-so in his second start of the year. The guy's 40 years old. Uh, you mentioned he's been one of the faces of this franchise. You know, there are very few 40-year-old anything, but pitchers especially, where you go into a season and say, you know what, I, I got a feeling this guy's going to be fine. He would be one of the few exceptions where yeah. I would say there's a chance this guy's going to be fine. Is that what you're seeing or believing? Isn't that correct? Isn't that crazy? Well, he's amazing. I mean, he's an amazing guy. I mean, you know, I've always said that between him and then Carpenter before him, people yeah. never took into account all of the years those guys logged pitching, forget the regular season, they're going 240, 250 plus, but then all those years in a row where those guys were pitching in the postseason, piling up another 30, 40 innings, and they just keep coming back and going strong. I'm amazed by Wainwright. I, I am too, um, and I, I'm so glad I didn't say it. There was a game I would say four years ago, Tom, maybe five years ago. Uh, he was having tremendous arm issues, and it looked like that was the end. And we're in San Diego. Mike Matheny is managing the club, comes out to take him out, and Wainwright was topping out at 82 miles an hour in that game, and it just looked like it was over. You know, his body had given out. There was nothing left in the tank. And I almost said, take a look at him, because that's one of the greatest Cardinals uh, pitchers in modern history that you're ever going to see. And, you know, thanks for the memories, Adam. I didn't say that. Well, they shut him down. And Dominic Leone, remember the reliever that yeah. we had for a little bit here in St. Louis, was rehabbing. So he needed a rehab partner to play catch at Bush Stadium. It wound up being Adam Wainwright. And Wainwright noticed something in playing catch. He said, my arm is starting to bounce back. Now, when, when we all heard this and he's telling me this, I just kind of thought, well, he's forever the optimist. That's his nature. That's who he is, Not, you know, seeing is believing. Well, sure enough, he comes back and he starts pitching and building up and, and having success. And he comes back the next year and does the same thing. And he has been the guy, Tom, that the Cardinals have counted on so many different ways. So, for instance, when COVID hit in, in 2020, the first game out of the hopper, and we're playing, I think we had 11 or 13 doubleheaders. It was a record because the Cardinals had to make up so many games. They were devastated by COVID. So they were shut down. They're, they're in their hotel in Milwaukee for a week, whatever it was. Come back home, think they're going to play. More, more COVID cases hit. Well, make a long story short, these guys were literally throwing off the mattress. They would, they would prop up a mattress on a wall, and that's how they were stand, trying to stay sharp. Adam Wainwright, first guy out of the, the shoot, gives you, I think it was five innings in that seven-inning doubleheader and wins the game. There was a game that, uh, that year where they're blown out against the Indians, uh, I believe it was, on a Friday night. Saturday night, they had used all their bullpen, and he uh, texts Mike Schilt on that Sunday. He's supposed to start. It's his birthday. And he says, I'm going to give you at least 130 pitches if you need it. He goes, don't take me out. I don't care if we're getting killed. I'm, play, uh, I'm pitching well, whatever, but I'm going to give you 130. He gives you a complete game. 
wow. okay, on his 39th birthday. So then last year, fast forward, he gives you over 200 innings, and many of his wins were after a loss, which is part of, to me, when you're an ace or a stopper or you're number one, what's the one thing you got to count on? Is That's that, right. well, at least we got this guy coming up in the rotation. Yep. We got a chance to win and stop a losing streak or bounce back. He did that. So since 2020, he not only has been the Cardinals' best pitcher, he's been one of the best in baseball. And the interesting part about this is that Molina has said this is his last year. Albert said in a press conference, this is my last year. I'm going out this year. Adam has not said that. And he's been steadfast in saying that, um, you know, I'm not committing to being uh, a guy that's going out this year. I'm not yet to, you know, announce my retirement. And he actually said to the media, he goes, I'll make you guys a deal. I'm happy to talk, and he's really great with the media. He's yeah. very gracious. He's funny, all that stuff. He goes, I'm a, he said, I'm going to tell you all. He, he's got the little southern twang sure, from Georgia. Sure. He said, he said uh, I'll make a deal with you all. You don't ask me about retirement every fifth day, and I'll give you guys some great stuff. Deal? <laughs> deal. You know, so, yeah. And that's how – and everybody just kind of laughs at it. But uh, I'll tell you what, do a deep dive into his numbers. And I've been bringing this up for the last couple of years, and people thought I was crazy. And I said, if he's healthy – and can pitch every fifth day with the modern look at how we evaluate pitching, which is uh, not as much with the wins losses as we know, but it's more about how many innings, what's your ERA, what are your strikeouts, things like that, soft contact, all these different things that we evaluate to paint the picture of a pitcher. He's close to being a major league hall of famer, not just a Cardinal hall of famer, but he's closing in on being a major league uh, hall of famer. He's closing in on 200 wins over 2000 strikeouts He's had postseason success, yep. so I'm going on and on and on, but he's really going to have a chance to to potentially go into to Cooperstown. I truly believe that. Uh, Steven Matz was a guy I saw make his major league debut. I thought he was going to be a great pitcher, and there's still plenty of time. It's not like he's you know some seasoned veteran. He's been around for a while. He did have a really nice year in Toronto. Uh, you bring him in to the rotation with the Cardinals. His first start didn't go well against the Pirates. You know, It's neither here nor there, but – uh, what are they thinking they're going to get from Matt? I haven't seen him in a while since he went over to Toronto. I was shocked um, in his first start um, at his velocity. I, I didn't realize he threw as hard as he was throwing. Now, he may have been amped up. It was his first start. It was at home. But he was hitting 95, 96 consistently. So that catches your eye. Um, he's had blister issues uh, in the past, which – apparently crept up in his first start. So that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. So the first two innings, it was just boom, boom, boom. It was He was great. And then the third inning, he ran into trouble. Now, the Cardinals' M.O., if you look at the signings that they made pitching-wise in the offseason, there were two things that they were looking for. And it's it's pretty you know, obvious as to why they would do this. They're looking for strike throwers, and they're looking for guys that, that keep the ball in the ballpark and on the ground. Right. When you have five gold glovers in your field, you know, in the yep. defensive uh uh, set up, you know, keep it in the ballpark, throw strikes. And the Cardinals in June of last year were historically bad in terms of walks and uh, and, and basically had to remake their, their rotation. So they went out and got guys that they feel can do that. Steven Matz fits that bill. So we'll see if uh, the blister issues or something of the past, if it, cre- you know, if it creeps up in his second start, that'll be problematic. But uh, he, that's why they wanted him. They gave him a four-year deal. His wife is a uh, singer in Nashville. He wanted to be closer to home, so St. Louis made sense. 
And uh, that was probably the biggest offseason signing that the Cardinals had this past offseason. Now, the rest of the rotation, I mean, there's some moving parts here to some extent, depending on if guys are healthy, if they're effective again. I mean, Michaelis was an all-star at one point in time. It's been a rough couple of years, uh, both health-wise and effectiveness-wise, or lack thereof since then. Uh, you know, Hicks is, 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 I guess, part of this mix. Hudson's part of this mix. Woodford's part of this mix. Ultimately, how do you think the Cardinals want it to shake out? I would say that Wayno clearly is your number one, um, and then Matt's Michaelis. Uh, you mentioned Hudson. So he's coming off of Tommy John. He did appear in some games at the end of last year and is healthy. And if he's healthy, he could be very good. Same thing with Michaelis. Uh, we talked about Matt's, but Michaelis has not thrown a lot the last couple of, uh, couple of years. His innings have been very, very limited. Um, and if they can keep him healthy every fifth day, he's fine. I think the, the really interesting one is is Jordan Hicks. Now, you've seen him as a closer. Yep. He's a guy that literally has thrown 104, 105 miles an hour. Um, and the idea with this, Tom, is to keep him healthy. So they feel that if they can make him a starter, he makes his start, he rests, throws a bullpen, goes out every fifth day. So if there's more of a structure to what he can do this year, they feel that by maintaining that, that can keep his health. Uh, intact and he'll probably drop a little bit in velocity he's not going to air it out because he's not going out there for just one inning Mm -hmm. but just uh yeah when you say that he's not airing it out he's consistently 99 okay so he's got filthy stuff he's looked terrific and uh they can keep him healthy it's going to be a fun year for him i think the the main thing when i look at the rotation is you got a lot of guys that haven't thrown a lot of innings coming back and namely that is michaelis that's hudson and that's Hicks. So if you combine those three guys over the last couple of years, all told, it's roughly about 100, 120 innings. That's not a lot. So you got to be careful when you watch that. You mentioned Jake Woodford. He was in the conversation for the fifth starter spot. Um, they're going to probably piggyback him, at least in his first month, with Hicks. Drew Verhagen is a guy that was competing for the fifth spot. He pitched with Detroit, went to Japan for two years, and is signed with the Cardinals now. Uh, and working out of the bullpen. But he's another guy that's been stretched out as a starter. So if they need spot starts or if they want to give a guy a break, a breather, um, there's some options there if they want to go that route. Bullpen good enough? I like it. I think it's pretty good, and it's been really good so far. Um, they, they, Ali Marmol has not committed to saying that player X is my closer, but when rested more than more times than not, that'll be Giovanni Gallegos. Yep. Uh, they have Henesis Cabrera, who's a really good lefty, they like him a lot. Alex Reyes is hurt right now, so all-star last year. They hope to get him back by, I would say, the second half of the season. He's also dealing with a, a shoulder issue. He's been injured a lot in his career. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years now he's in the organization and w- at one point was the number one prospect in baseball. But, um, yeah, they got T.J. McFarland, another lefty that just gets ground balls, a lot of double plays. They, they, they're pretty solid. That bullpen is going to be very, very good this year. If there is a player that maybe uh, it, it could be a big name player, uh, and it could be a guy like a, a young player who may come up as the season goes on. If there's one guy that you just had to to pick out of the lot, and you said, you know what, I think this guy's going to be a surprise impact on this team this year, it would be who? I would say Dylan Carlson, yeah. and I, I say that only because he really flew under the radar. Now he finished Jonathan India, as you know, won the rookie of the year, but uh, Dylan Carlson was in the top three of the vote last season and just didn't get a lot of attention. And I mentioned that for a switch hitter rookie in Cardinals history, uh, his season was historic. He had 18 home runs. His second half was just an excellent second half. You could just tell he turned the corner and figured some things out. 
Um, he just finished up dating back to last year, an 11-game hitting streak. He's a very quiet young man. His dad was his coach all the way through high school, uh, and they have produced a ton of major league players, his son included. And he comes from a great family. So what I'm saying is he's very humble in his approach. He, he you know, kid, he's 22 years old, and he carries himself like he's been in the big leagues for 10 years, and not in an arrogant way. He's just humble and quiet and just goes about his business. So there's not a lot of flash to that, but I think that's the guy that every day he's kind of steady Eddie. And, you know, you look up at the end of the year, he might have 20, 25 home runs, steal you a few bags, and, and play really good defense. So that's, that's the guy I think that you have to take a harder look at. As we wrap it up, um, to me, it looks like a two-horse race in the Central. Uh, now, you know, look, it, 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 not one of us knows uh, if there is going to be uh, injuries to key players along the line, you know, what's going to happen from that standpoint. But all things being equal, it looks like the Cardinals and, and, and I give a slight edge to Milwaukee. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, only because I think they have a little more consistency, uh, dependability. Uh, in their starting rotation. Is that fair? Yes, absolutely. And uh, we're we're in Milwaukee right now, and you look at what they're throwing out there, and then you look at the back end of their bullpen with Williams and Hayter, Boxberger. Uh, it's a really good team. I, I think the biggest question for Milwaukee will be whether or not they can hit, yep. and the biggest question for the Cardinals will be whether or not they can stay healthy and pitch. So that's the one side to the other. And uh, – now, I love the, the move that they made with Hunter Renfro. I think that's going to help their lineup. Uh, McCutcheon seems to be a good fit right now, and he's off to a good start. Longtime Pirate, former MVP. So I, I like that they did that. They needed to find some type of offense, and it seems like they've, they've been able to do that. But they're pitching, man, every single day. It's a guy that could do something special, it seems like, every single night. I mean, they've got Burns, who wins the Cy Young. Woodruff is as good as anybody, just gets no run support. And they have other guys coming. So uh, Freddie Peralta, obviously, is another one that comes to mind. They had four all-star pitchers last year. So uh, their pitching is, is going to beat good hitting, great hitting. And that's what's uh, going to come down to is whether or not the Cardinals then can counter that with their good pitching and stay in games. Because their offense is very good, as we talked about. It's just a matter uh, of whether or not their, their pitching staff can stay healthy and give them innings. Danny, can't thank you enough for your time today, and uh, maybe we'll catch up down the road as things start to get heated up. But as always, thank you for your time and safe travels, young man, and good luck uh, becoming a better Packer. I figured you'd have it down by now, but apparently not. After 25 years, Tom, I'm supposed to. (laughs) My wife says you're an idiot. She said you're an absolute idiot. Hey, buddy, love you. Thanks for having me on. You too, Danny. Love you too, buddy. All the best. Dan McLaughlin, kind enough to join us from the television play-by-play voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. And, of course, uh, they're in Milwaukee this weekend as we're taping the show on a Friday. Big weekend of baseball, four-game set between the Brewers and the Cardinals. Uh, we thank Dave Yeti Armbruster for all his outstanding work. We thank you for joining us. Next week, we will check in on what the Chicago Cubs are up to. I'm Tom Brenneman wishing uh, each and every one of you a wonderful Easter weekend. God bless. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.